Taxes Show with your host, Eric Metaxas. Folks, welcome to the program. Because you've been bad, I've decided to unleash John Zmirak on you. John Zmirak, please do your worst. Thank you. Hey, Eric. Well, I got a new piece up at stream.org that I think people will find of interest. It's called Climate Vandals Want to Destroy What They Can't Understand or Replace. And uh, this is okay. Your your titles are getting longer and longer. Pretty soon (laughs) they're going to be paragraph length. But uh, please say that again so that we know climate climate vandals want to destroy what they can't understand or replace. Okay. So what this is a response to the, the there's a wave of climate activists attacking famous magnificent works of art in museums, especially in Europe. Uh, Associated Press reports that the, there's a, you know, the Vermeer masterpiece, The Girl with a Pearl Earring? Uh, of course. Climate activists attacked it with glue and liquid last week. They tried to glue themselves to it and splash liquid on it. They, earlier this month, they threw mashed potatoes at, Claude Monet, at a Claude Monet painting in a German museum, and they threw soup over Vincent Van Gogh's masterpiece, Sunflowers. Okay, now, I want to be clear. You are talking about works of art that are part of the treasures of Western civilization. Sunflowers, I don't know, what did that go for, $70 million or $170 million a few years ago? These are some of the most extraordinary works in Western civilization. And I don't know if you say it in your piece, but immediately I think to myself, the climate activists are the Taliban. The Taliban destroyed those statues of, of, of those huge Buddhist statues. It's an amazing thing when somebody is trying to destroy or deface or vandalize something that, as you say in your title, cannot be replaced. Right, right. And I've got a piece coming out in American Greatness this week where I argue for capital punishment for people who do this. But that's, that's a separate issue. I'm trying to analyze what's going on in these people's heads when they attack something exquisite and irreplaceable. And there's a quote from the Associated Press story that kind of gives us a clue. One of the protesters was wearing a T-shirt with, that said, just stop oil, just stop oil. And he yelled, how do you feel when you see something beautiful and priceless being apparently destroyed before your eyes? Do you feel outraged? Good. That is the feeling when you see the planet being destroyed before our very eyes. So that's, that's the really mature. Let me just say parenthetically, that's really mature. It's John, you got to understand. I mean, as we're talking about these things, we have to say it is it is the definition of adolescent immaturity that this is what they're resorting to. Like, who would do this but a child? I mean, is, are these the acts of, of, of statesmen? These are just unbelievably childish, um, it's selfish, worse, it's tremendously self-indulgent actions. But it's also terrorism. It well, is terrorism. And we yes. call, I, don't want to, I don't want to trivialize it. It is yeah. terrorism, and it should be punished as such. All right, but let's, let's analyze what's going on here. These people have been whipped up into a panic. They think every molecule of carbon that they they breathe out is is poisoning the future. They think it's a sin to have children. They think it's it's wrong to drive a car. They want to force the world 
to give up oil and gas and switch immediately to green energy, whether or not it works, even though it only provides 10% of energy, even in Europe, whether whatever the side effects, even if it means, you know, African children having to to mine cobalt and, and, and die of it to make lithium batteries, even if it means dependence on China and the Chinese using slave labor, <coughs> excuse me, to make the batteries. They have whipped themselves up into a complete hysteria, just as they did during COVID. In the same way, it was a false, coerced, scientific so-called consensus. Do you remember when the consensus was that it wasn't safe to go to the beach, that children had to be kept home from school, that ivermectin didn't work, that we needed a vaccine, that the vaccine would prevent transmission, that the vaccine was safe? All of these things turned out to be false. But doctors and epidemiologists at places like Yale have been canceled for speaking out. My own cardiologist, Dr. Peter McCullough, two days ago, lost his board certification as a cardiologist and was fired as editor of a cardiology journal because he had the temerity to save the lives of several thousand vulnerable COVID patients by giving them ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and vitamins instead of sending them to a hospital to go on a ventilator to die, like so many thousands died in the nursing homes of almost every blue state. He lost his board certification for saving lives and telling the truth. This is how they manufacture a pseudoscientific consensus, and it's what they've done with climate, too. Well, John, I I just want to say, you know, um, I know that in Germany under the Nazis, this is exactly what was happening. Every field was affected so that there no longer was science. There was Nazi science and Jewish science. In other words, they began, uh, the madness uh, began to go backwards into every part of German culture. And if you did not parrot the lies of the National Socialist Party with regard to science and literature and whatever it was, you were pushed out. But what's amazing is this is happening in the United States of America right now. What you just said about Peter McCullough, I mean, that's unbelievable that this would happen to a tremendously uh, successful, brilliant doctor doing his best. And by the way, doing better than all of the people that are trying to cancel him. But who are the people behind canceling somebody like him? I'm just astonished that the medical establishment has basically gone over to the dark side, just as they did in Germany. It's I, I don't see how it's any different. It's amazing. Well, remember, the medical establishment has accommodated the whole trans delusion. Now it's considered science that there are 47 genders. There were only there were only two before Bruce Jenner decided to have a sex change and did a cover story on Vanity Fair. And that changed the scientific consensus and added 47 genders. That tells you how much you should trust the so-called scientific consensus. But remember, there was a scientific consensus that overpopulation was going to destroy the West, that we're going to have famines in in the United States and Britain. They they were saying that on the Johnny Carson show. It didn't happen. But you know what did happen? Massive birth control and population control programs by governments all around the world. Birth rates are now plummeting in virtually every country on Earth, except for a few sub-Saharan African places they haven't gotten to yet. And we're going to have a complete collapse with like one young person to one old retiree, it's not going to work. But even more horrendous, 
the, um, a, an official of the Chinese government went to one symposium in Finland and heard the overpopulation spiel, came back to China and instigated the policy of forced abortion, the one child policy that resulted in 300 million forced abortions, according to a Chinese Communist Party official, 300 million forced abortions because of the fake scientific consensus over overpopulation. If you go back to the 30s and 40s, there was a fake scientific consensus about eugenics. And people like Margaret Sanger passed laws in America that got 60,000 Americans forcibly sterilized, again, in the name of a fake scientific consensus. So now climate change, we're being told, yeah, we were wrong about eugenics and we were wrong about overpopulation, but you should trust us now. This time, Charlie Brown, we will let you kick the football. We promise. Uh, And all you have to do is dismantle the modern economy and go back to living the way you did in the 10th century. You just have to get rid of every means of producing energy that's reliable and cheap. And you have to replace it with Rube Goldberg machines and gerbils running on treadmills and windmills occasionally turning. And no, you can't have nuclear power. That, that's safe and that works. And that doesn't produce carbon. But for some reason, we won't allow that either. You ha- the goal is, wait, let me finish. The goal is to get us cooking our scraps of food over dung fires. We'll be right back. Folks, because I like you, I'm going to let you listen to my conversation with John Zmirak. I love talking to John every week. But before that, uh, I want to remind you, uh, if you go to SalemNow.com, that's SalemNow.com, there's all kinds of stuff there that we'd love for you to check out. Some of you are familiar with Border Battle. It's a series. I don't know how many uh, episodes you've seen or if you've seen any yet, but Border Battle uh, is at Salem now.com. Check it out. Also, while you're there, you'll see the film No Vacancies starring Superman, Dean Kane. No Vacancies, SalemNow.com. John Zmirak, you were just talking about how the radical left, I don't know how else to put it, they want to drag us back into the dark ages. I get the idea that they have as their Uh, sumum bonum would be that we would all be living on the Great Plains in buffalo hide teepees or something like that, that anything other than that would be a grievous uh, abuse of Mother Earth. You know, it's it's kind of fun to make fun of these people, but they're already having a massive impact. They got Germany to close all its nuclear power plants, even though they were safe, as you would expect a German plant to be, um, and rely on wind power. Now, Germany is dependent on Russia for for gas. And because of the Ukraine war, they're not getting gas. So Germans are going to be like their ancestors from the Brothers Grimm, going out into the forest and cutting wood and using it to stay warm, like they were in the Middle Ages. Um, Developing countries are going to lose access to reliable cool air conditioning in the in the summer and heat in the winter. Hospitals are going to lose power. Look at the price of gas. That is 100% the result 
of Joe Biden caving to the Green New Deal, to this utopian, apocalyptic, fanatical cult that rests on a fake scientific consensus. How do they produce the consensus? Anyone who disagrees, they destroy his career. They get him banned from YouTube. They get him banned from Twitter. They get his colleagues to denounce him. They try to deprive him of tenure. They take away his certifications. They act like the Spanish Inquisition, except the Spanish Inquisition actually offered due process of law. These people don't. They are worse. I mean, we've seen this building, obviously, since the 60s, this the madness. I remember when Earth Day was invented. It's a narrative, basically. And they make these projections over and over and over and over again. The projections don't happen, but they keep moving the goalposts. They, they never referred to the fact that they said by 1980, uh, the oceans will have boiled away. They never go back and say, we got that wrong. We got that wrong. They keep moving the goalposts. And right now, because of a lack of courage among leaders, uh, particularly leaders in the West, you really have terrible policies being enacted. And we're going to be cooking over peat fires uh, in a few years if we don't stand against this. What you just said, John, you started the program talking about these climate activists who are basically insane children. Um, they are defacing great works of art in museums. And That's evidently, right. they're getting away with this. I mean, That's I don't right. quite understand of, why they would get it, why they would not be punished severely for this. I, I, I say life in prison without chance of parole. That's my minimum. I'm willing to negotiate up from there. Um, a, bu- a bunch of them glued themselves to a famous painting. And I said they should be left there to starve because their skeletons surrounding the painting would be, make have a magnificent sort of memento mori effect. You know, yeah. those medieval paintings that have a skull in it. This one can be surrounded by the, by the skeletons of idiots. I think it would improve its artistic impact. But, you know, I'm just trying to be winsome. Here. <laughs> I um, just uh, I, I just wish they just. I just wish they would destroy destroy something by Motherwell or de Kooning rather than Van Gogh. But that, that's just me. But, uh, but there's a serious point here that I want to make. Of course there is. These people are destroying something they can't understand or replace. Something else beautiful that they can't understand or replace is the modern economy based on oil and gas. It allows 8 billion people to live on this planet, which would only have supported 1 billion like 100 years ago. It allows the virtual elimination of extreme poverty. Extreme poverty has plummeted, especially in the last 20 years. The number of people who live on less than a dollar a day has plummeted. People's lives are improving all around the world. In India, in sub-Saharan Africa, you're not seeing famines except when they're caused by communist governments. And famines for communists are not a, are not a bug, they're a feature. Uh, we, the modern economy is this exquisite, beautiful, complicated machine. And it begins with oil and gas and coal. The, the improvement in human life, if you look at those, all those graphs that show life expectancy and decline in, child, in, uh, in infant mortality and all literacy, education for women, you can trace them all to the British harnessing coal, the Americans harnessing oil and natural gas. All of it flows from cheap, affordable and uh, reliable energy. These people are attacking the livelihood, the existence, the safety of 8 billion people. They are smashing the machine and they are ready to see us all to descend into a new ice age, to live like Vikings 
or nomads, and billions of people will die. It will be mass death. There will be war as we fight over the, over the resources. These people are, it's as if they went into a nuclear power plant and started pulling out all the plugs. They are recklessly endangering the lives of the entire human race. Folks, I'm talking to John Zmirak, uh, and I want to remind you, uh, folks, to go to my website, ericmetaxas.com. Sign up for our newsletters. Um, There's so many things that I want to share uh, that I do share uh, via my newsletters uh, once or twice a week. We also send you the videos if you want to see what uh, John and I are wearing right now, for example. It's an amazing uh, thing. We're color coordinated today. You want to see what our backgrounds are. You have to go to ericmetaxas.com, sign up for those newsletters. John, let's continue the conversation. You've written a bunch of articles at stream.org. Shall we move on or yeah, can we yeah. stick with this one? No, I, think we've, I think we've covered the destruction of modern civilization pretty well. Uh, the, ne- the next piece I'd like to talk about, each half of the country thinks the other half are unfit parents and one half is right. Okay. Think, all right. So think about this. Half the country thinks the other half are unfit parents. When these liberals drag their toddlers into drag queen acts with sex workers dressed as strippers, stuffing money into their groins. Do we think this is appropriate parental behavior? If they were going into a heterosexual strip joint, would we think that was okay either? No, we would be calling social services because they are sexualizing, they are psychologically abusing, they are grooming their own children. When schools in California <coughs> basically try to create gender dysphoria in kids by giving them books that encourage them to question whether they were born in the wrong body or encourage them to think they might be one of 45 fictitious genders, that is child abuse. Now, we can say, I can say, I live in Texas. That's not happening in Texas. Is that enough? I mean, is it enough for us to say, all right, we're going to protect unborn children in Texas, but you can kill them in California and you can set up abortion clinics at the airport and you can ship abortion drugs from California to Texas to kill Texas babies here. In the same way, the liberals are not going to be satisfied with letting us protect unborn babies in Mississippi and Louisiana. They want them killed everywhere. How? Do we have a country where half the population thinks the other half are not even fit to raise their own children and they're right? One of us is right. They think uh, we're John, let me just to- interrupt to, to say one thing that I think it's important for us to say that when we say one half and one half, I think the reality is there's an illusion. The country is divided 50 50. I think most people uh, have been propagandized to the extent they don't know what to believe, but I think or let me put it another way. I think most people understand that what you've just described is madness, but because the media is controlled by the left, we have a situation where it looks like we're evenly divided. I don't think that that's the case. Well, then they should start voting that way. Well, that's the point. They should stop voting for politicians who kill babies and who groom children and who set up sex workers to propagandize toddlers. If, if these people are fit parents, prove it. Stop voting for the groomers. Stop voting for the baby killers. As of now, I'm going to take people 
where as as to how they vote. And if they vote in people who would advance this evil, if you vote Nazi, I'm going to call you a Nazi until you prove you're not. How's that? Uh, well, that's right. No, no, that that that's right. And I want to ask you a question. Have you seen you probably haven't seen it, but there's a four minute video called The Procedure. Are you familiar with this? Oh, yeah. We're already promoting it at the stream. It's a very, very powerful pro-life video from the point of view of uh, a, a, a radiographer who is, doesn't know that he's been called in to witness and to record. I, I just want to say before we go to the break here, folks, everyone who votes in America should see this four minute video before they vote. You need to understand what you are voting for. It's called the procedure. It's all over my social media. You need to see it before you vote. You need to send to anyone who will be voting. We'll be right back. Folks, welcome back. Talking to John Smirak. John, we were just talking about the video. It's called The Procedure. Yeah. I put it all over my social media. Uh, you had an idea about it. Yeah, we posted it at the stream. And the, and the title that we used was A Challenge for Teens. Can you watch this video all the way through? Now, you know how teens love challenges. You know, come on, eat a Tide Pod, lick, lick a toilet, steal a Hyundai. Well, I think I want people to challenge their teenagers to watch the video, the procedure, and get them to challenge their friends. It is graphic. It is heartrending. I couldn't watch it all the way through, but I'm already convinced on this issue. Teenagers well, are the ones who, who are going to be getting pregnant and the ones who are going to be pushed into getting abortions. You need to traumatize your teenagers on the subject of abortion so that when they well, hear the word, they wince. They need- it's like talking about being traumatized on the issue of the slave trade. I mean, right. trauma is the only appropriate response That's to the right. reality. Folks. That's right. And if you don't want to deal with the reality, just make sure you vote the reality because it is this is happening in America. And almost uh, almost every single not almost every single Democrat politician, every single one is for things much worse than what you'll see in the four minute video. You need to understand you are on the hook for that. If you vote for them or if you choose not to vote, you are allowing that to happen. Now that the video exists, it's called a procedure. You're responsible for this information. You have got to see it before you vote. Send it to everyone you know. Challenge them to watch this before they vote. John, go ahead. And I think you should send it to teenagers to watch it before they date because you want your teenagers to to be traumatized on the subject of abortion. You want the word to make the blood drain out of their face. That's the appropriate response. That's the only appropriate response. That's right. So in the article I wrote at stream.org, one half of America thinks the other half are unfit parents and one half is right. Um, I talk about the fact that we as Christians can't settle for, well, I live in a red state, so my hands are clean. It's our job to make the positive laws, the written laws of our country, match the natural law that God wrote on the human heart. That is not theocracy. We don't want to impose Catholicism or orthodoxy 
or Methodism as an official religion. We follow the First Amendment of the Constitution, which says that there can be no official religion in the United States. It doesn't say the moral code of the United States must be set by the Marquis de Sade. That is how today's academics interpret it, that because we don't have an official church, our morals have to be nihilistic, have to be based on perversion and willfulness and ultimately demonic influence. That is not in the Constitution, folks. Well, they, they, just know, they don't admit that. that. We just know that that's effectively what happens. That's the default mode. If you step away from the Bible, you end up with the Marquis de Sade. But they pretend that you can have a third way. Uh, I want to mention also, I don't know if you say in the article, but this is exactly what happened with slavery. You know, there would be people that would say, well, if you don't like slavery, don't buy a slave. And the people who knew slavery was an abomination said, I'm sorry, but this is a universal. This has to affect everyone in every state. It's not acceptable that this is happening in states in the United States of, of America. They did all they could. And then in the end, of course, it came to the Civil War. But when we're talking about these issues, it's like talking about slavery, pretending like it's OK if we have slavery in Kansas. Right. Uh, it, ladies and gentlemen, that's not the way it works. If something is wicked, it's anti-human, uh, you need to stand against it in every state, at least in your own country. I, I was at a conference recently, and one of, one of the people who was there said to me, no, I want to pose an argument for you. And it comes from David French. And I, and I said, okay, I will try to take it seriously anyway. Go ahead. And he thought David French was some sort of authority as opposed to, you know, we need his Ned Flanders escape from the Simpsons. But I, he said, if you tried to pass any kind of national pro-life law, say protecting unborn babies before 15, after 15 weeks, California might secede from the union. So you need to take that into consideration. And I said, where I sing, oh, happy day. I said, I would happily sell California to the Mexican drug cartels for one peso. You can have it. I don't want to live in the same country as people who think that that little children should be subjected to drag queen strippers, that little children should be aborted, that the that the handicapped should be euthanized. You go on down the list. If one part of the country insists it's going to follow the Church of Moloch, I'm willing to let them go their own way. I'm not going to fight to preserve that union. They can go. I don't know if we've discussed it on this program or if I've discussed it with you, but you realize that Gavin Newsom, the, the pretty boy governor of that state, California, not only uh, put up posters, uh, billboards saying, you know, come to California to, to kill your baby, but this is where it just gets really dark. Quoted the words of Jesus in the billboards advocating for abortion. And I thought to myself, sometimes, a line is crossed that it's frightening to me. It's frightening to me that California crossed that line. Well, it's like when when the devil appeared to Jesus in the desert, he quoted scripture to him. Gavin Newsom, like Satan, his father, the father of lies, murderer from the beginning, Gavin Newsom, like his father, Satan, is quoting scripture to Christians as they as the Satan did to Jesus in the desert. The devil can quote scripture. That's that's a very important point. I have actually made that many, many times, folks. The devil has quoted scripture. Um, be careful. We'll be right back. Ain't gotta have a 
folks, welcome back. Talking to our friend John Zmirak. Uh, John, does the subject of our conversation now turn to uh, topic turn to the subject of Ukraine? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Now, a few months ago, when the war began in Ukraine, I was really depressed because I thought Russia would overrun the whole country. And I have a, a, a an emotional connection to the Ukrainians. I used to go to a Ukrainian church in New York, St. George's, down on 7th Street. I used to go to Ukrainian bars and drink with old Ukrainians who would survive World War II, who'd survive Stalin's, Stalin's terror famine. Um, I, when they finally made a movie about the Ukrainian famine called Famine 33, and it came out, I think, in 1991, I was there opening day. It only played for one week, and I was there opening day, and it's available on YouTube if you want to see it. Famine, it thir- famine 33, it's on YouTube. It's an incredibly powerful black and white film about the Ukrainian famine. It was the first film made in Ukraine under Gorbachev. It was the, when they got Perestroika, the first film they made was a, to document the, the intentional starvation of six million Ukrainians by the communist government. I feel very strongly about Ukraine, but I, I thought it had gotten itself in a very bad position by trying to join NATO by trying to serve the neoconservative liberal interventionist wackos who dominate our foreign policy, by trying to make Ukraine into an outpost of the West, they were provoking Russia the way we didn't accept that Cuba was going to be an outpost of the Soviet empire. And we all, we risked a nuclear war over it in the Cuban Missile Crisis. I think Russia is not going to ever put up with Ukraine being part of NATO. So when, when the Russians invaded, I thought they would overwhelm it quickly and it would be very sad. Instead, the West has poured enormous billion upon billion of dollars and drones and rock missiles to try to stop Russia from conquering Ukraine. And the Ukrainians fought. They fought heroically. They fought courageously. They've preserved most of the country that is actually inhabited by Ukrainians. There are large areas the Russians took a few years ago which are all inhabited by Russians, which really should be part of Russia, which were part of Russia until 1960 when the communists changed the line on a map. It didn't mean anything at the time because it was all one Soviet empire. I assume you're referring uh, to the Crimea. Crimea and some other areas and some other areas. So now that Ukraine has Russia on defensive, Zelensky, its megalomaniacal president, who's a good friend of Klaus Schwab and George Soros, He wants to conquer all these Russian-speaking territories. Keep in mind, Ukraine just banned Russian in schools. Banned Russian in schools. So if they conquer back these Russian areas, they're going to force these people to have their children speak Russian in school. How is that fair? How is that democratic? How is that respectful of human rights? Uh, In other words, we help the Ukrainians resist conquest, but now they want to do some conquering. They want to go in and take areas back from Russia that are inhabited by Russians. And furthermore, Joe Biden has said he wants to change regimes in in Moscow. He wants to overthrow Putin. Now, the U.S., we overthrew Gaddafi and Libya descended into absolute chaos. The, The African slave trade started up again in Libya, thanks to our benevolent intervention. We smashed the regime in Iraq. We couldn't rebuild it. We couldn't manage Afghanistan. But we want to topple the government in Russia. We want a civil war in Russia with different factions getting hold of nuclear weapons. What kind of irresponsible madness 
has taken charge in foreign policy circles in, in, in Washington. We need a negotiated peace between Ukraine and Russia that redraws the map to follow the ethnic lines of Russians versus Ukrainians so that everybody will be happy and we can cease to have ethnic conflict there. Ukraine cannot become part of NATO any more than we would let Mexico join an alliance with China. It's simply impossible. It's insane. It's a recipe for World War III. The Democrats and the neocon Republicans have shown they're willing to play brinksmanship. They're willing to play chicken with the lives of every American because Russia has talked about using nuclear weapons. This is madness. And when they say you can't negotiate with Putin, that is also madness. You can negotiate. Every war has to be like World War II. Every war has to end with Hiroshima and Nagasaki because you can't negotiate. That is insanity. But that is the kind of hysteria that has taken hold Frankly, from Joe Biden all the way over to Mitch McConnell and uh, Mitt Romney and Liz Cheney, those people, this huge one war part, a war party that that takes up most of the Republicans and most of the Democrats. And it's extremely dangerous. Uh, I want to go back. We've touched upon this in previous programs, but I have never understood I must be missing something, but the idea that when the Soviet Union fell apart, how is it that we continued to behave as though Russia was the Russia of Nikita Khrushchev and Stalin? It's just fascinating to me that we wouldn't have tried uh, to invite them into the community of nations the way we did with China in the late 90s. The point is you try uh, to use things to bring these folks along. What we did with China, of course, was a total failure. But the idea that we didn't do that with Russia and that we continue to provoke them and act as though uh, they're our enemy, even when they really cease to be our enemy, we kind of made them our enemies at a moment when they did. I, I just don't get that. Pat Buchanan was right about this, as he's right about everything. He said NATO should have been disbanded or Russia should have been invited into it. Uh, Either one would have been a good solution. But we did the worst possible thing because it helped make money for defense contractors. It helped the people who gave money to Republicans to have an enemy. And that's why the Iraq war came in so handy for the for the Republican establishment, because their cash cow is defense companies the way teachers unions are the cash cow for the Democrats. This is depressing, John. Our work here is done. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Look, I mean, I've said this over and over again. Uh, re- revival is the only hope for this country and the world. Um, that, uh, that to me is part of what's happening. People are waking up spiritually to the, end, to, to the idea that th- there's evil rampant. The, there's absolute evil. So obviously uh, sp- there's a spiritual component Uh, at the heart of everything. But folks, you have got to vote. You've got to take this seriously. You've got to understand that if you do not do your job, we see where things are going. We see that when we sit on our hands and just go shopping uh, to deal with terrorism or whatever it was that George Bush said, we need to be really active as citizens. We'll be right back with John Smirak.
folks. Welcome back. John Zmirak, you just did a movie review. It's at stream.org. What is the movie? What's the review? It's called Pray for the Devil, P-R-E-Y for the Devil. And it's a spooky Halloween season movie that came out um, that I went to see on a lark. And it was surprisingly good in that it took evil seriously. It's a film about exorcism, about demonic possession, about the fact that sometimes people's lives get infested by forces of evil. And sometimes it gets really serious and demonic spirits attack the souls of innocent people. Maybe people who've been weak in their faith, maybe people who've dabbled in the occult, gone to psychics, played with Ouija boards, channeled spirits. There are various ways to open up the back door to your psyche and make yourself vulnerable to immensely intelligent, profoundly hateful spirits who want to destroy us. Now, we know those spirits are real. I've felt those spirits. When, when I used to pray outside abortion clinics, I could feel their tangible presence. All, all, the only other time I really felt them is when I would run into like really serious anti-Semites. I would get that same feeling. There's something satanic here. When I was in the pre- when I heard David Duke speak at Louisiana State University back in the 90s, I felt the tangible presence of personal evil. Well, the film Pray for the Devil is about a nun who is attending an ec- a school for exorcists. Now, exorcists in the Catholic Church are usually priests. She's not technically qualified to become a capital E official exorcist. But we know from the early church that ordinary Christians used to do exorcisms. And we know from the Middle Ages that St. Catherine of Siena and St. Hildegard of Bingen, women, did exorcisms. So it is not technically only priests that can do exorcisms. It's one of the powers God gives us at baptism to banish Satan. Now, I'm not recommending people go do it. I think this is something you best left to the professionals. But in the movie Pray for the Devil, this nun who grew up with a mother that was under satanic affliction, she becomes a nun in order to help other people. And she ends up tending people who are trying to get exercise. They're trying to get deliverance by Jesus Christ from the spirits of evil. And she gets more and more interested in it and decides to try to play an active role in helping some of these vulnerable people, especially a small child who is infested with these spirits. It's a really powerful, genuinely frightening film that takes evil seriously and ties demonic possession to abortion and shows the role of these evil spirits in the abortion decision, in the anguish and agony that so many women feel after it, the despair the suicidal ideation. Is this in theaters? Where it's is in this theaters. It's in theaters. It's in the regular theaters. Pray for the, Pray for the devil. And uh, it's a very powerful film. It's got a couple of elements in it that are silly, a couple little feminist notes that are just dumb. But overall, I would say it's an excellent film. If you want to see something scary at this time of year, and this is the month of holy souls for us Catholics. It comes from All Saints and All Souls Day. Uh, if you want to see something scary that actually is about real evil, and it might actually pro- produce a worthwhile conversation with your kids about the nature of evil and the dangers of dabbling in the occult, 
I think it'd be a good movie to take the kids to see. It's PG-13. Okay, and let me remind you, if you want to see something else that's scary, go to SalemNow.com, watch Border Battle. It's a TV series, Border Battle, SalemNow.com. If you want to see something that's not scary, go to SalemNow.com and watch No Vacancy. John Smirak, thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. God bless. 